Well, today as we continue this sermon series entitled Soul Care, today we're talking about fill me up, please. Psalm 23, verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. One of the things I love in life is seeing things kind of broken, being restored. Cars. I love cars and I love seeing old cars that, that used to be in their glory days, uh, something to behold, and then they kind of uh, find themselves wearing down, and then somebody comes back and restores those cars. I had a 1968 Z28 when I was growing up, and then I traded that for a 1972 Corvette Stingray. And uh, so love seeing those cars restored. Uh, love seeing houses restored as well. You take a house that's got good bones, but... I just had been cared for over the years, and then somebody buys that house, and they come in there and they restore it back to its original purpose and beauty. It's a wonderful thing to see. And then I love to see broken relationships, relationships that used to be close, and then something happened in that relationship where tension created, and that relationship found itself in a broken state, but somewhere under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, seeing those individuals come back and see that broken relationship restored. Love to see lives restored as well. Those who don't know Christ to realize this, that we're dead in our sins, but he makes us alive with him. And to see individuals who coming out of spiritual darkness to spiritual light, wonderful thing to see. And then I love to see people who know the Lord, but may have walked away from him, drifted away from him a little bit, seeing them restored again. He restores my soul. As you and I think about this message today, I want us to think about Psalm 23 because in, in this text, we're going to see what does he mean when he says he restores my soul? How will I know if I need to be restored or not? When I think about characters in God's word, I think about David, I think about Peter, I identify with those two individuals very well. Here's why. One, because you look at David and you look at Peter, both of those men were called of God to serve him. And I can go back very definitively and share when God called me in the ministry. But when you look at David, you look at Peter, both of those men needed to be restored by the Lord at some point in their lives. David committed a sin, Peter denied him, and they needed to be restored. And I don't look back over my life and ministry. There were days, there were seasons. I needed the Lord to restore me as well. As I think about David, Psalm 51 David's sin has found him out. He's confessed his sin to the Lord. In Psalm 51, verse 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. One of the things I want you to know about God's word is when you look at the life of David, there is a difference between a relationship with the Lord and fellowship with the Lord. You can have a relationship with the Lord and be out of fellowship with him. And so when you look at David in Psalm 51, the issue was not his, rela his relationship with God, that was secure, but his issue was fellowship with the Lord. And that's why he says to the Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I wonder in this room, and I wonder people who are watching around the world, I'm not asking to raise your hands, I'm not asking them to do anything, but just from your heart to God's heart, how many people in this room and how many people watching would be bold enough, courageous enough, and honest enough to say, I need the Lord to restore the joy of his salvation in my life. The joy just seems to be missing. Uh, something seems to be absent, and I just need him to restore my soul on this day. 
let me give you some words. We've talked about sheep here a little bit. We talked about sheep. We know that they're not smart. We know they're not clean. We know they're not strong. So I want to give you three other words as we think about sheep. I want you to write down on your teaching outline, and here they are. Number one, sheep are stubborn. Sheep are stubborn. Isaiah 53, verse 6, what like says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. So at times we can be very stubborn. Do you know any stubborn sheep in your life? And here's what I came to realize. Do I know any sheep, any believers who are stubborn? Well, all I've got to do is look in the mirror and I see one. What, what about you? Has the Lord asked you to do something and you've just been stubborn that you've not done it yet? And I just encourage you, sheep are stubborn, but admit that, confess that to the Lord and say, Lord, I have been a little bit stubborn about what you want to do and I need to confess that and I need to obey you today and do what you're asking me to do. Second word, word stray, sheep stray. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 just says we need to be very careful about what we hear, what we listen so that we don't drift away. Drifting is possible in the spiritual life. At one time you were very intimate, very close with the Lord, the good shepherd, but then over time something happened in your life and you drifted in your relationship with him. Are you close to the Lord or would you be honest today to say you have drifted in your relationship with him? And then the third word is the word sick. There are times sheep get sick. And so a good shepherd is going to nurse those sheep back to health again. And when you look at your life spiritually today, are you healthy or are you unhealthy? Do you need the Lord to heal you in your spiritual life and your walk with him? Here's what I imagine. There are probably a few people who walked into this worship center today, who, who's worshiping with us online, and you look at your life and you say, you are living life on the mountaintop. And, and you, you look at it and you say, I just didn't realize life could be this great. You look at your personal life, you say, everything is going according to plan. You look at your marriage, everything is wonderful. You look at your family, everything is going great. You look at your career, you're climbing the ladder of success, everything is going your way. Even your spiritual walk, your relationship with the Lord, you're saying, He is teaching me and leading me and guiding me. Every day of my life, I am intimate with Jesus Christ in my life. There are a few in this room who could probably say that. But I would say there are probably more of us in this room. We walked in, we logged on where we're watching from, and we would say this. I didn't realize life could be this difficult. And then you start looking and you say, you know, here I am in my life, I'm empty. Here I am in my life, I'm, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And then you look at your personal life and think, can it get any more difficult than this? You look at your marriage and you say, why can't we be like we used to be 10, 20 years ago? You look at your family and say, why don't we get along? Why can't we put our differences aside? You look at your career and you just keep hitting wall after wall after wall in your career. And then you look at your spiritual life and you say, there are days it just seems like heaven is silent in my life. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, when you think about this, I want you to understand when you think about how the shepherd leads. I gave you some insights about the shepherd's leadership a couple weeks ago, but what I want you to realize, too, is the shepherd is not a dictator. 
He's a leader, but he's not a dictator because Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. The Lord allowed them to do that. He's not a dictator. He's not democratic. You never see Jesus asking for a vote for something. Let's see, are we going to do this or not? So I want to see if we get a majority vote. He never led that way, but he also wasn't casual either, meaning he didn't let sheep do anything they wanted to do. He was going to guide them and lead them in life. Same is true in our lives. Now, when you hear this phrase, fill me up, please, what comes into your minds when you hear that? And you have to be careful where you go to when you hear that. Uh, when I hear that phrase, fill me up, please, here's what I think about. I'm thinking about sitting in Cracker Barrel. Sitting in Cracker Barrel and your glass of tea, uh, your glass of water, or your coffee cup are empty. And so the server comes to you and says, do you want some more? And you say to your server, fill me up, please. Or maybe some of you will not have any idea what I'm talking about here. But back in the day, you used to pull up in a gas station and you would roll down your window and a gas attendant would come to your car and say, how much gas would you like? And you would oftentimes say, fill me up, please. And then we come to God's word and we look in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. And the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And that is a continuous thing in our lives that we, yes, we're baptized with the Holy Spirit of God, but also we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That is a continuous action in the life of the believer. And maybe today in worship, sitting in one of these pews or where you are around the world, sitting on your couch, sitting at a breakfast table, somewhere you come before the Lord and say, Lord, today will you fill me up, please, by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Fill me up, please. And then we come to this text again, Psalm 23, 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And we see what that is going to say to us. So I want you to write some notes down as we walk through this. Number one, experience the shepherd's restoration. As we think about Psalm 23 again, we're talking about the life of David. And David lived an incredible life. As you know, he lived a life that was much like a roller coaster. He was up and he was down. When you look at David, a man after God's own heart, but David also did not handle temptation God's way, and he crashed in his life. Maybe you identify with him. There have been seasons where you were seeking God with all you had, but then there were seasons you didn't handle temptation God's way, and it cost you in your spiritual life dearly. That's, that's the story of David. And then David comes and he says this, he restores my soul. What does that mean? It means he brings my soul back. That's what it means. It means revival in life. He brings my soul back. David needed to be restored. That's why in Psalm 51, again, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, I want to give you two insights here about sheep, a little more insights about how sheep operate, how they live, how they relate to the good shepherd. I want you to write these down. Number one, cast sheep. There's a certain thing among sheep that if they ever get on their back, it's known as a cast position. It is a dangerous position to be in as sheep. Many of you back in the 80s and 90s remember the commercial where the lady said, I've fallen and I can't get up. Anybody remember that? 
You, you remember that? That's like sheep. That's sheep in a cast position. They fall, they get on their back, and they can't get up. Now understand, when sheep in a cast position, they're on their back, their legs are up in the air, they become extremely frightened when they're in that position. They can't get up by their own selves, and so their stomachs begin to swell, and then wild animals can come and attack those sheep and take their lives out quickly. Sheep, or when they're in a cast position, they are vulnerable to what the enemy, what the predators are going to do in their lives. How many of you today, honestly, in your life, you have fallen and you just can't get back up. You're in that cast position. And what a, a loving shepherd is going to do, he's going to come and he's gently going to grab that sheep and he's going to get that sheep back up on his feet again in a cast position. Second word, lost sheep. Uh, we know this, that sheep, when they're grazing, uh, they, they'll start grazing about 4 a.m. in the morning. They'll graze early. Then they'll rest somewhere mid-morning throughout the day when it's, the heat is high. But here's what sheep will do. When they're eating, they're really not even paying any attention to their surroundings. And sheep, again, because they're not super smart, they have this way when they're grazing, they will drift off course. They'll drift away from the flock, and they can become lost as sheep. How many of you have drifted away in your relationship with the Lord? Again, at one time, you were super intimate with the Lord Jesus. But because of decisions and influences, and because of things in the spiritual life you neglected, instead of being intimate with the Lord Jesus like this, he has never moved in your life. You're the one who's moved in relationship to him. But you've drifted in your relationship. You didn't pay attention to your walk. You didn't listen carefully to what he was saying. And you've drifted in your relationship over time. Maybe you're out there and you feel like you are lost. Again, if you're saved, you'll never be lost again because we are secure in Christ. But maybe your fellowship is not what God wants it to be. And so what will a good shepherd do? A good shepherd is going to take a cast sheep and the shepherd is going to put that sheep back up on its feet. What is a good shepherd going to do? He's going to go search for the lost sheep and he's going to bring that sheep back to be in the fold. That's what a good shepherd would do. I want to ask you three questions, not on the outline, but I encourage you to write these down. Three questions to know if your soul needs to be restored. Question number one, how will I know if my soul needs to be restored? And again, just you and the Lord this morning. The Holy Spirit work in your life. I want to ask you these things. Is the joy of your salvation missing in your spiritual life? At one time in the spiritual life, you had peace, but is the peace of God absent in your walk with him? And then is your passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the church, for the work of ministry, is your passion, has it disappeared in the spiritual life? And let me say this morning with loving as, as his under-shepherd, if your joy is missing and the peace is absent in your life and the passion has disappeared to serve him and to walk with him, you need for your soul to be restored. Who does that? Doesn't the church doesn't do that. The pastor doesn't do that. The deacons doesn't do that. No, he, the good shepherd, is the one who restores your soul. So I want to ask you, does your soul need to be restored today? Here's the second question. What, what causes, what damages my soul in relationship to the Lord? What does that? I want to give you these three things. One is personal sin. 
When you look at the life of David, what, 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 what made him and got him to the point to say, I need my soul restored. It was personal sin in his life. He disobeyed God. He was unfaithful to God. He was also unfaithful to other people. You may say this morning, you need your soul to be restored because you've been unfaithful to God, but you've also been unfaithful to a spouse or someone else in a relationship. You need the good shepherd to restore you. Maybe you look at your life and you're loving the world more than you're loving Christ in your life and you need him to restore your soul. Maybe you know you have sinned, you're doing everything you can to cover it up like David did and the guilt of covering your sin up is destroying your life and you need the good shepherd to restore your soul because of personal sin in your life. Sometimes we need to be restored because of broken relationships. We've got relationships that have went south. Instead of being intimate, then, then they're tense, they're divided, they're separated. And so you need to take an action to say, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that relationship in the sight of Christ needs to be restored. And so you need him to restore your soul so you can restore that relationship with a brother or sister in Christ. And then sometimes our souls need to be restored because of delayed disobedience. The Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit has asked you to do something in your walk, in your life with him. He has asked you, one, to be saved. That is a call of God in your life. If you're dead in your sins, you are lost. He, the Holy Spirit is going to invite you to give your life to Jesus. You need to follow him, but you have delayed doing that. You know that you're saved, you, a very specific time that you put your faith in Christ, but you've never been baptized, and you need to be obedient to Christ and believer's baptism, but you have delayed being obedient to him. The church family, this is a wonderful church family. God's calling you to affiliate and serve in this church and be a part of this family, but you have delayed Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. God's calling you about another area of your Christian life where your soul needs to be restored, but you have delayed doing what God asked you to do, delayed obedience, or God's calling you to serve in ministry, but you say maybe another week, maybe another month, maybe another year, delayed obedience will lead us to say, God, I need my soul to be restored. Then the third thing is, how does, how does he restore our souls? How does he do that? I want you to write these three words down. One is the Lord. Again, the Lord's going to be the one who's going to do that. That's what David said. He, talking about the good shepherd, the Lord, he's the one who restores my soul. David needed it personally. You need it personally. So the Lord is going to be the one who's going to do that. There's not a program. There's not a course somewhere. It's the Lord who's going to work in your life, and he's going to be the one who will restore your soul. Two of the words I'd give you, confession. Somewhere you need to confess your sin, agree with him. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your unrighteousness. He is faithful. What do you need to confess today? Confess that you need Jesus in your life. Confess you've delayed being baptized. Confess that you've not joined the church the way he asked. Confess that you're not serving in ministry in some way. Confess unfaithfulness. What do you need to confess? Agree with him. And then the, then the third word is the word repentance. We don't use that word a lot in ministry in our days, but it is a wonderful biblical word, and it just means to change directions. What that means is you're going this direction. 
and, and you're on the wrong path. You're not going the way God wants you to go. And so you turn around and you turn back and the Holy Spirit's going to lead you that you need to repent. And so when we get to this place in confession and repentance, if we want to see revival, he restores my soul revival. If we will see the Lord, we'll confess our sin, we'll repent of that. Revival is going to come to your life and to this church and even to our nation as well. He restores my soul. And again, I want to ask you very personally, just in this time, you'll have a time to respond. But as you look at your life, is the joy there? Is the peace there? The passion still there? Or has that left you? And you need to come before the good shepherd today and say, Lord, honestly, I need you to restore the joy of your salvation in my life. Lord, I need the peace that passes all understanding again in my life. Lord, I need the passion for ministry, serving you, relating to the church, following your lead. I need that passion restored in my life. He restores my soul. Look at number two, follow the shepherd's leadership. When you look at this text in Psalm 23, he restores my soul and then he leads me in paths of righteousness. Here's the position of Psalm 23. The shepherd leads and the sheep follow. We always get in trouble when we find ourselves not following the shepherd's leadership. It's always a dangerous place to be. Now, what happens if sheep don't follow the shepherd's leadership? I want you to write down these three words. One breaks us. He'll break us. Here's what, oftentimes what happens. Sheep's been, the shepherd's been leading the sheep throughout the day, and it's coming time at night, and He's getting ready to get all his flock together and he's going to protect them from all the predators out there. And so he gets them together and here's what he does. He starts counting the sheep. One, two, three, four, five, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Well, I'm missing a sheep because I've got 25. I'm missing one. What does he do? He goes and finds that sheep and he brings that sheep back into the fold again. Next day. Counting sheep again, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and gets through that, 20, 21, 22, 24, one's missing, same sheep's missing, he goes, finds it again, brings it back, puts it in part of the, of the flock. Next night, same thing, goes through those, comes to, one's missing again, same sheep again. Here's what the shepherd will do. Many people say this sounds cruel, but this is the loving shepherd relating to the sheep that keeps getting lost, keeps drifting away. Sometimes the shepherd will break the leg of that sheep. Why? Because that sheep continues to drift away. It's putting itself in danger from animals and being hurt or even losing its life. Sometimes the shepherd will break the leg of that sheep. And I read you last week, this passage from Psalm 119, and it's so relevant. And here's what the psalmist says, It is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. What, what is the psalmist saying? God, thank you for breaking my, me in life. Brokenness leads to blessings. Sometimes he breaks us. Second word, binds us. Here's what the shepherd's going to do. If he breaks the leg of that sheep, he's going to nurse that sheep back to health again. He's going to bind the leg of that sheep up so the leg's going to heal right. But that leg is going to be bound up and it's not going to be drifting away like the sheep did before. And then number three, blesses us. The sheep will bless you and me. The shepherd will. Notice the progression. He's going to break us. He will bind us and then he will bless us. Here's what happens with that sheep. 
That sheep, again, night one, night two, night three, drifting away. When the shepherd breaks the leg of that sheep and he binds the leg of that sheep and he blesses that sheep, that sheep will no longer drift off course anymore. Where's that sheep going to be? Going to be right next to the shepherd. And that's what he wants for us. He leads us in paths of righteousness. It's possible for you in life to get on the wrong path in life. Just as David was saying, he leads us in paths. There's also a wrong path that you can get on that's going to lead you away from the shepherd and away from the other sheep. Are you on the right path or are you on the wrong path? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. And there are going to be people today, you're on the wrong path in life, and I can almost tell you why. You're on the wrong path in life because you have got the wrong influences around you. Your friends are going to make a difference in your life. Other sheep are going to make a difference in your life. And so when you look at that, that's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So the people you're spending your time with, are they leading you to be on the right path or the wrong path in life? And if you're not careful, you can find yourself on the wrong path, even as a sheep of the good shepherd. How does that happen? encourage you to write these down. Number one, ignore God's word. When you ignore the teaching of God's word, you can find yourself on the wrong path in life. That's why from preschool, kids, students, adults, every ministry we have, we need to be focused on the word of God, the full counsel of scripture. Because God's word is not going to lead us down the wrong path. He will lead us down the right path. Second, reject godly advice. You don't listen to godly people around you. God puts other sheep around us, even other under-shepherds around us, leaders around us, seeking to give us insight about who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. And at times, we don't listen to God's advice. As a result, we end up on the wrong path. We did not follow the instruction or the warning of someone whom God was seeking to use in our lives. I just encourage you, stay in God's word, listen to godly counsel. Number three, disobey God's spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading you in life, and you disobey the Spirit's leadership and prompting. It can lead you down the wrong path if you disobey the Spirit's leadership. And then number four, you just pursue selfish plans. Instead of following God's agenda in life, you have your own agenda. How many times do we feel like we're better at navigating our lives than God is? And what happens? We find ourselves on the wrong path, but he restores our soul. And what does he do there? Then he leads us in paths of righteousness. So I want to ask you, are you on the right road or are you on the wrong road? Are you in the righteous paths or are you in the unrighteous paths? What about you? Follow the shepherd's leadership. Number three, glorify the shepherd's name. And here's what he says in this passage. He restores my soul. He leads me or guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Something I was doing just, just recently, just about a week ago, I was reading some articles to say, is it okay for Christians, those who know Christ, born-again believers, is it okay for us to curse in the Christian life? Use obscene language, inappropriate language. When I was growing up, we didn't say curse, we just said he's cussing. Uh, how many of you understand that word? So is it okay to do that? Now I was reading this article and here's what the author was stating. And it's amazing to me as I read this, the, the author of this article said, it is actually cool for Christians to cuss in our day. 
And here's what he said. He said, it says this, I'm into Jesus, but I'm not into legalism. So it's okay for Christians to cuss. I disagree with that article. I disagree with it based on uh, the Sermon on the Mount about his name is to be holy. His name is to be revered. There's something amazing about his name. I disagree with that from the book of James about coming out of the tongue, blessing and cursing. You shouldn't be doing both. You read James chapter 3 and you're going to be able to see that. I don't believe it's appropriate for believers in Christ to use obscene, inappropriate, or cursing language. Here's why I would say that. Now, again, you say, well, it's cool to do that. Well, you don't want to be legalistic. I don't want to be legalistic either, but I do want to be obedient to God's word. And here's what I know from God's word. When I read the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, there are do's and don'ts in God's word. That's not legalism. That's just being obedient to Jesus in life. And so I want to be obedient to Christ. And so when you look at this, he restores my soul. He leads me, guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me give you these three insights about his name. Number one, there's greatness in the Lord's name. The Hebrew people, his name was so holy, they wouldn't even speak the name of God in life. And so I just encourage us as brothers and sisters in Christ, sheep who are following the good shepherd, let's make sure we don't ever use his name in an incorrect way or in an unholy way in the Christian life. And I just encourage you, be guarded when it comes to your speech. You can speak the truth in love. You can be different from those who are in the world. Make sure your speech, there's something, there's greatness in the Lord's name for his name's sake. Number two, we're to fear the Lord's name. We're, we're to hold his name in awe, in reverence, and fear. Not being afraid of him, but recognizing we are to glorify the name of our good shepherd. This weekend, I've been listening to a song as I've been walking and just doing different things, even humming in my own, in my own mind. There's something about that name. And I've been listening to that again and again and again. Kings and kingdoms may all pass away, but there's something about that name. And so church, I just want to encourage us. Let's make sure that we understand how great his name is. Let's make sure that we fear the name of God. We reverence his name. We stand in awe of his name. We glorify his name. But the third, we'll bow at the Lord's name. One day we're going to bow at the name of Jesus. Listen to Philippians chapter 2. Here's what the Bible says here. He says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are going to bow at the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. And so let's glorify that name. When it says for his name's sake, what that means is you glorify the name of Jesus in your life. Now here's what happens. Put these two things together. When he restores your soul, it affects how you live and it affects what you say. So you, you say, I've lost the joy, I've, the peace is missing or the passion is gone. I need him to restore my soul again. When he does that and he will do that, then it, it, it affects the way you live, but it also influences what you say. In 1904, in Wales, there was a young guy named Evan Roberts. 
He was praying for a move of God's spirit. He wanted to see God move in a life-changing way. And as he prayed and prayed and prayed for the spirit of God to move, God moved in that country and among those people. And what happened? Those people got saved. Those people were born again. Their lives were changed for all eternity. What happened in the midst of that? Here's what's amazing about that. Their, Their lives changed. They got on the right path, but also their language changed. And it confused people around them because they got saved and their lives changed and their speech changed. But here's what I thought was absolutely hilarious. Only God could do this. Their animals didn't even know how to relate to their masters anymore. Because they'd been using all these curse words to these animals. And then their masters started using other words. Why? They got changed. Their hearts got changed. They were born again. They didn't want to use words that were inappropriate anymore. Their animals had to be retrained how to follow the leadership of their masters. Folks, that ought to be true of us. When he restores our souls, then what happens? People say, you're not the same person. Your life is different. You're not the same person because your speech is different. Let's make sure, Lord, restore my soul. Guide me in paths of righteousness, but also let me glorify your name in the Christian life. That's how God wants us to live the Christian life. So here's what happens. He restores our soul. He gets us on the right path. And we speak words that glorify the name of Almighty God, our good shepherd in the Christian life. So let me come back and we're going to pray. And let me ask you these words. Do you need your soul to be restored? Joy is missing, peace missing, passion gone. Come to the good shepherd, let him restore your soul today. Are you on the right path or are you on the wrong path? If you're on the wrong path, come to the good shepherd and and repent and come to him and confess. Let him get you on the right path again. His namesake, are you using words that just aren't glorifying and honoring to him? If so, just ask him today, Lord Jesus, help me to clean up my speech so that my speech glorifies you around other people and even in my own personal life. And then I'm going to encourage you, if you need to give your life to Christ... You need to follow him in baptism. You need to join the fellowship of this church. You you need to surrender some part of the Christian life or say yes to God's call in ministry. We want you to come to the good shepherd today because he's the one who will change your life, restore your soul, forgive you, save you, give you direction in life, and use you in the Christian life. He will do that in your life. But here's the good news. You can come to him just as you are. And you'll walk out these doors, you'll log off wherever you're watching from, a brand new changed person, because that's the power of Jesus in the life of sheep, you and me. So I want us to pray together. And we're going to give an invitation like we do week in and week out. This altar is going to be open if you need to come and pray today and just ask the Lord to work in your life and to change a part of your life or get you back on the right path again or change your life, even coming to Christ today for the first time. This altar is open. Our pastoral team is going to be here as well. If we can pray with you and for you, celebrate with you, help you from God's word to know what it means to be one of his sheep, what it means to follow him, what it means to glorify him with your tongue. We'll be glad to help you do that. This invitation is for all of us in this room who need to be a sheep or who already is his sheep and you need him to give you direction in life. So let's pray and we can come to him just as we are. So Lord Jesus, today, 
in this invitation. I pray if there's some sheep here that are cast, we're on our backs and we can't get up, that you'll restore us today. Well, as sheep, if we've drifted away from you, we've got away from being intimate with you, you'll lead us back again into intimate fellowship with you again. And God, I pray we can come to you just as we are. I pray for anyone who needs to get right with you today, who needs to find forgiveness and salvation, who needs to surrender to baptism, church affiliation, Christian ministry, confess and repent, whatever needs to happen today. Good shepherd, we come to you. And thank you. You're the one who restores us. You're the one who leads us. And you do so that we will glorify your name. And we do that just as we are, expecting to be changed because that's how you work in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray this today in your name. Amen.